You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today is going to be, I think it's just going to be kind of a different day. Something that I've been teasing for a while that I wanted to do, I haven't really done yet, but today we're going to do it. Um, There's going to be a lot of clips today. There are some news, some news and notes, nothing as exciting as we were kind of hoping for, but we'll kind of go through the little bit of newsy, notesy stuff. But um, I do want to talk a little bit about the Pat McAfee show. Queued up a clip or two or or whatever. We'll see how it goes of, of that. But more importantly, and we'll see how it goes as far as feedback, but I'm pretty excited about it. But today, and I, I don't know what to call the segment. I was thinking Meltdown Day. I'm kind of leaning towards Sad Clown because I can't stop thinking about that clip from The Office. Sad Clown. But whatever the name is, the, the general theme is we're just going to kick back after a great week of victory and laugh at all our opponents that are currently in despair and misery. And so I've rounded up a handful of clips that we can listen to of other fan bases melting down. It's going to be a good time. But uh, we'll start off with the Pat McAfee show. Um, the first one, I'm not going to play a clip because it's not really an interesting clip, but it's an interesting tidbit. Apparently, all the... Uh, John Wick stuff, which I haven't really commented on because I'm supremely disinterested in it, but the one part of the story that he mentioned on there that I do think is pretty interesting was the photographer was actually Preston Smith. Now, I'm sure there was a lot of editing done after the fact, but uh, kudos to Preston for, um, you know, I mean, he puts a lot of work. I mean, Aaron Rodgers puts a ton of work into this. He's been growing out his hair for who knows how long. He's been planning this. He always has these big elaborate plans that get unveiled at at some later date. He's a very... um, I don't know, forward thinking is the right way to put it, but he likes to think several steps ahead, that's for sure. But um, to put all that weight on Preston, and, and the reason that that happened apparently was he wanted a pit bull, because I guess that's what happened in the um, the actual cover photo is, is uh, Keanu with a dog. I have no idea. But anyways, he needed a pit bull and didn't want to go to the pound to you know rent a pit bull or whatever. So Preston apparently owns one, so he went over to Preston's house, Borrowed his dog, and Preston did a, did a little photo shoot, which is I found to be hilarious. I was really envisioning Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he went. I figured he went to a studio, um, had a very expensive photographer and all that, so I thought it was pretty funny that, uh, no, it's just Preston. At, it, they were at Preston Smith's house and uh, messing around with Preston's dog, and he just snapping pictures, probably on his phone. <laughs> but anyways, uh, getting into some interesting clips for you. Um, the question was kind of raised, you know, going into the Cardinals game, there wasn't a lot of high expectations and Pat was like, well, did you guys think you were going to win or how did that all kind of play out? And I just want to play for you, Aaron Rodgers response to that. I think sometimes the situation, you use it kind of, uh, to your advantage and, and tell the guys, Hey, look, nobody expects us to win this thing. Let's just free roll it. You know, let's just play as loose as possible and, and not have any of the pressures of, you know, playing against a, a seven and O team. I think that's what we did. I mean, that was kind of my message throughout the week was look, we don't have uh, three stud receivers. Bakhtiari's not back yet. Nobody thinks we got a chance. I like our odds. And I think we played pretty loose. Now we still made some mistakes for sure. And we obviously had a chance to put it away there in the, you know, inside the five twice, we had the ball inside the 10 and didn't, and didn't come away with uh, more than a field goal. So, so we obviously some clean, things to clean up, but man, I'm proud of our guys, especially after that crazy, uh, you know, kickoff return. Both guys go down. We had the ball on the nine yard line. All the momentum, all the crowd back in the game at 17-14 to take it down to 91 yards and score to go back up 10 points was such a character drive. I'm really proud of the guys for the way they responded there. The thing that I really like about this, and I've mentioned it several times and in several different situations, but a lot of times. 
some of us, and, and generally people who want to be the smartest guy in the room, like to say smart guy stuff. Say stuff like, you know, that's what that's what stupid fans think, but like, you know, players don't think that way, and coaches don't think that way, and we have this sort of superhuman uh, view of, of players as being strictly professional, and they don't have emotions, and they don't have these kinds of things to overcome, these emotional, mental, spiritual hurdles, whatever. And social media has done a great job of kind of breaking that down. For example, we always think that, you know, for example, with the uh, trade deadline, some fans are on there going, dude, go get Fletcher, dude, go get Odell, dude, go get these people. And again, the smartest people in the room crowd, which sometimes I'm a part of and try not to be too condescending about it, but there's generally a feeling of, oh, that's what low-level fans who don't know what they're talking about think. Us smart people understand that's not how things work. And then you go on social media and you see Billy Turner is like, dude, get Fletcher. Dude, go get Odell. Have you seen Deshaun? He's still good. Go get him. Like, that's a, that is our right tackle. <laughs> I made up the Deshaun thing, but... And we've seen Devontae do that stuff, lobby to get people. Um, it's funny when you see players and realize these are just really, really high-level Packer fans, right? They're, they're Packer fans who are just coming at it from a different standpoint. They want to win because it's their team, uh, but, but they are fans also. I mean, they're, they're obviously closer to the fire. They're closer to the action. We're just rooting for them. They're actually playing for the team, but that's really what they are. They're just, they're really, really, really big fans of the team. And some of them feel the exact, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, what has he been lobbying for? Go out and get guys. Billy Turner, go out and get guys. Devontae Adams, go out and get guys. And sometimes it's stupid. Sometimes they're wrong. They're not personnel people. They want to go out and get all the big name guys too. And, you know, I, I didn't see a ton of people lobbying for Razul Douglas or Devondre Campbell. Nobody was begging for Billy Turner before he got here. Don't remember Devontae screaming for Corey Bajorquez on Instagram, you know. But it, but it is, it's funny. And so with, with this kind of instance, it's funny too because the the their thought process was similar to ours. And again, my mind always thinks of them as being these sort of robots that go into this game plan mode and like we don't think about it. And a big part of the reason that I think this way, and probably a lot of other people think this way also, is, um, you know, because of coach speak. When they go to the podium, there's a certain way you speak. You know, we're just taking it one week at a time. And, that, you know, they, they, they give us the platitudes that even though we've always said that they don't really tell us the truth, on some level, most of us, myself included, kind of believe it on some level. So it's, it's funny to hear that they were going through this very similar thought process and mental exercises that we were looking at this Arizona game saying, you know what, the pressure's kind of off us. We don't have our three stud receivers. We don't have, you know, nobody thinks we have a shot, but we're still a good football team. And, and, and again, there's no pressure. We go in there. I think we're still a good team. I think we can still win this game. We play fast. We play loose. And if we lose, we lose. But if we win, we're going to shut up a lot of people. And that's what we as fans, I mean, we're, again, we're coming at it from a different standpoint because we're not playing, but it's kind of the same thing. That's what a lot of us, that's what I was thinking. It's like, yeah, they're probably not going to win, but it doesn't really matter. And I get to just sit back and relax and enjoy it as long as they don't get blown out. Even if they lose, you know what? Just show a little bit of heart, a little bit of fight. I'm happy. I'm good to go. Anyways, I thought that was kind of fun to listen to. Anyways, one final clip that I wanted to play for you. It's, I'm just going to let it kind of run out, but uh, no introduction. Here's what it is. Let's talk about being perfect together. You and LaFleur seem to be like that right now. Everything seems to be great. Last week you came on and said you're loving your time as Green Bay Packer. You're enjoying the season. You guys are 7-1. and one. Atop the NFL best, best record in the NFL right now, the Green Bay Packers have after everything that was chit-chatted about in the offseason. Speaking of the offseason, some changes were hoped for or expected through this thing. Today's trade deadline day. Has your, have you been asked about anything? Do you want to be asked about anything? Is this something you have thought about, mixed emotions about? How do you feel on this day, 2021 trade deadline day, just an hour and a half away from when you could potentially add a player to that incredible roster? Well, I'm just, I'm not gonna get into specifics, um, but I will say that there has been great communication. I've enjoyed uh, the conversations with, uh, with Brian that we've had throughout the year so far. And I think that we've made some moves already that have been great. Obviously, Russell Douglas, the hero of the uh, uh, the game there at the end of the game, was a, a pickup that we brought in. Uh, Whitney Marshallis, 
uh, love that addition as well. Um, you know, we've obviously with uh, Bobby getting hurt and with Kylan getting hurt, our third running back, there's, you know, opportunities to add to the roster. Um, but I like the roster the way it is, uh, especially with some of the guys we are coming back. I mean, is there Smith is back in town. Not sure what his potential oh, yeah. coming off the uh, IR is going to be, but it's good to see him again. Uh, Jair got some good news a few weeks ago. Still hopeful that he'll be around for the stretch run. Uh, hopefully we can get Kevin King back in the coming weeks. Uh, the big giraffe at left tackle probably has a chance to play in the near, near, near future. So I like our roster. I like the fact that we're sitting there at 7-1. and one. Um, I pointed to the false because we have the tied for the best record in the league. Um, with not just the Arizona Cardinals, but the L.A. Rams. Uh, I believe the three of us are 7-1. and one. The NFC is very, very... Uh, they just deep. got Vaughn yeah. Miller over there, dude. They just yeah, got, yeah. yeah, they just got Vaughn. They're making, like, people are making moves out here. So I think the big question a lot of people would have for you is, like, do you not think that maybe the Packers should make a move? But you saying that communication has been great all year, it has been better, that kind of answers, I think, all of that. Well, I mean, look at our cap situation, too. You know, we had to adjust just about every contract to get under the cap and there's obviously some issues with the cap moving forward uh that's probably the reason why uh we weren't necessarily in stefan gilmore um sweepstakes because we couldn't take on a big contract and there's other guys that have been rumored and i know there's guys that want to come to green bay but we are definitely salary cap hampered at the moment if certain guys were to get cut now that'd be a whole different story but uh, in the meantime, uh, there's issues with our cap that prevents us from maybe making a splash trade for a guy who's making upwards of $8 million or more, um, which I think Packers fans just need to understand that. So again, it's um, it's all good news, and it's been good news for a while. Now, I, I'm not going to take that so far as to say he's definitely staying as a result. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot of reading between the tea leaves, which is not super necessary at this point in the season, necessarily anyways. But just little things. Uh, the, the mention of salary cap issues next year. You just get the idea that he's kind of, I don't want to say jaded, because I don't mean to sound negative or anything, but he, he has this feeling, almost like he needs to defend himself, you know what I mean? Or protect himself from hurt, or however you want to phrase that where he's trying to be understanding of the fact that they're probably going to push me out. They're, they're, they're going to push me out. They're going to da, 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 right? Also, the quotes from Twitter made things seem a lot different than when you actually sit and watch and listen. There's hesitancy when he says all the positive things. Everything he said was very positive, and, and it is all very positive. And I'm not trying to just put a negative spin on it. I'm just saying it's not quite as, it wasn't quite as like definitively, I'm so happy, I'm so excited, things are great, we're having great conversations with Gutekunst, I think they're doing a great job bringing people in, we're killing it, this is exactly what I've been asking for. That's the vibe that I'm getting on social media, that's not the vibe I'm getting from Aaron Rodgers. When talking about Gutekunst, he acknowledges that things are great, but it's kind of a, you know, things are great, With I mean, things, things have been great, uh, you know, had some good conversations, it, 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 it could be a lot of different things. Could just be me reading into it too much, but that's probably not it. It could be that things really are good, but he just still doesn't like the guy and doesn't like saying nice things about him. Or it could just be that nothing's really changed, but, you know, technically he's following what he said he would do. He's having conversations with me, and, you know, maybe it doesn't look like what Aaron Rodgers hoped it would look like in terms of, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe Gutekunst is doing it kind of begrudgingly, as opposed to, Rodgers, man, I'll talk to you about that. What do you think? more of, okay, let's have our stupid uh, Friday afternoon meetings. Here's the situation. Get out of my office. I, you know, I don't know. But at the end of the day, the, the thing that matters most is the same thing I said when Matt LaFleur got hired here. People ask me, do you think they're going to, because that was a big drama point too. Do you think they're going to get along or is he going to hate Matt LaFleur the way he hated Mike McCarthy? And I said, it all comes down to whether they win. If Matt LaFleur comes in and they win a bunch of games, he's going to love Matt LaFleur. If Matt LaFleur comes in and they're losing a bunch of games, he's going to really dislike Matt LaFleur. It's, it's really that simple. And I don't, it's not really necessarily a negative on Aaron Rodgers. It's just he's going to view Matt LaFleur based on not his personality, but his ability to do his job. And if he does a good job and they win games, he's going to like it. And so I, I really still feel as though there's a real big chance that winning the Super Bowl and missing the Super Bowl is going to impact things for everybody. You know, Aaron Rodgers 
feeling like I need to stay here or I should stay here or we've reached some kind of a compromise where they understand that I was right or whatever the case may be, that gets reached. Um, from the Packers standpoint, it may be sort of a, you know, we've got something special. Let's ride this thing out. Why not? I mean, you're at the top. The only goal is to stay at the top. There is no further ascension. Let's see how long we can ride this with Rodgers. Maybe that's what happened. Whereas if they miss, Rodgers perhaps looks at it as same old, you know, same old nonsense, same old things didn't get better. Um, He's also going to be guarded even more in terms of his feeling of they're going to push me out. And he may be right about that because the Packers may look at this and go, listen, Rodgers is better than love, but we're not winning with Rodgers. And we can't build with Rodgers. We can't, you know, Gutekunst likes to go in. He likes to go out and get free agents. And you heard Aaron Rodgers even say, hey, you know, we're kind of hampered by the cap. The vast majority of the problem is Rodgers' contract. I'm not, again, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying that's the reality. And Rodgers knows that. So I, I just think it's too early to talk about it, but he's essentially getting what he's wanted in a team. And that is a guy that's willing to go out and get guys when in need. And I think Gutekunst has always done that. Ever since Gutekunst got here, that was when we started hearing constantly the rumors about the Packers are in on this guy, the Packers are in on this guy, they're calling that guy, which we never heard before because we literally didn't call about anybody. So in other words, do I think everything is perfectly fixed? No. But do I think it could be going any better? Probably not. I think the way things have been going with the the cohesion of the team, the I mean, everything is just working like a, a, a unit from players to coaches to the front office. It's all coming together perfectly. The way the coaching staff has come together with the defensive coordinator and getting the right people in the right positions where they need to be. Rodgers loves the offensive coordinator. Our head coach loves the offensive coordinator. It's a great fit there. The offensive line coaches are fantastic. The running back coach, Ben Sermons, is fantastic. Olvadati, the tight ends coach, is doing fantastic. Again, we, we, we got rid of a bunch of defensive pieces. We kept a couple. You know, Jerry Montgomery is doing great. Defensive coordinator doing great. All this stuff is, everybody's, we got everybody where we need them. All the posts are filled. And the, the, the big adversity has come by way of injuries, and that requires all three of those things to come together. Otherwise, this thing falls apart. The locker room has to stick together. The players have to stay strong mentally and emotionally, and they've done that. And that is also partially because of the coaching staff, which has relied heavily on character and, and locker room character building and all that stuff. But the players themselves have to execute. They have to stay mentally strong, which is something they've been lacking for many years. I'm not saying everybody, but just as a general culture, when things go south, they don't generally rise up and and stand in and stand strong and keep fighting for four quarters like they have been. So the players have risen to the occasion. The coaches have to do the same thing. You need coaches that can make adjustments. You need coaches that can come in with good game plans to begin with and make adjustments. And just like players, they also can go stale and get scared and now we got to back off or now we got to get more aggressive and now we got to, no, stay the course, you know, just make the next right decision. Don't panic. Stay in there. Stay in your lane. Ride it out. Just ride that wave. Get the win. That's all that matters. They've done a fantastic job of that. And the front office is massively important when you have all these injuries because they have to be able to parse out which injuries we can we can ride out. Look at all the the devastation at wide receiver. They haven't done anything. We've been fine. And now they're starting to come back. Offensive line. Again, first of all, the depth that we have because of the constant swings at offensive line over the many years that are now paying off. Thank you to Brian Gutekunst and the depth that he's provided. But then also realizing when certain positions go down, we have to do something. And then, like I said, it's not just doing something. It's not just doing anything. It's a matter of bringing in the right guys. And then again, it goes down to the coaching staff and making sure that you can get these guys up to speed and getting them in the right position to succeed. And then it goes down to the players to get them acclimated and get them to be a part of this unit to make it work. Everything has come together perfectly. And so again, as I said, are things perfect? No. Could things be going any better? Not much. I just think that there's scar tissue, and I don't know if it ever goes away. It's just a matter of can they get over it when the time comes? Are they going to find some sort of reconciliation? And maybe there is no reconciliation to be had. Packers may just say, you know what, it's been, you know, we won the Super Bowl. It's been great. Time to start uh, building in a new direction. Who know? I don't know. I'm just saying we don't know. But if if the issue is reconciliation, I think things have gone as perfectly as you could have possibly expected them to go. That's really all I'm getting at. Anyways, we're going to take a break. Um, I just want to say thank you guys very much. I mentioned we had 10 new patrons uh, last month, 
And I was hoping that we could get to 20 this month, just as sort of an arbitrary goal, but just something to kind of shoot for. So far, we've had one, two, three, four, five new people just in in two days. We had four in the first day. And this was obviously November 1st. You didn't have my plea for Patreon yet. So this was just by chance, I guess. I'm not sure. But uh, again, Gary, Michael, Elena, Alexi, thank you guys so much. November 1st, first day of the year. Um, Alexi with a very big donation. Elena with a very big donation. Um, Gary has, again, made up his own tier. Michael, thank you so much for jumping in on, on that tier. And then uh, the second today for me, um, Zach doubled his pledge, and we got Jason who jumped in um, on Patreon. So thank you guys all so much for your support. There's this weird thing in my brain where I realize my ultimate goal is completely unrealistic, but also there's a part of my brain that's like, it's definitely going to happen, though. Like, it's stupid, but it's going to happen. And it's going to happen because of you. Also, I am planning on retooling that a little bit. Um, Actually, kind of, I've been much more engaged on Patreon. And I want to continue that. I'm I'm really planning on shifting my efforts. I was looking more at, you know, ads are going to be the way I I get out of here. And there's probably some truth to that. But um, I think Patreon is more immediate. Like, I, I I can get where I need to be with Patreon, like, today. The ads may never get there because I have to grow my my audience exponentially. But anyways, um, retooling that, leaving a lot of things open to any any tier, you know, one dollar a month, whatever. The questions, the polls, all that's going to stay open to that. Um, I may bump up the uh, the preview episodes up to like a two dollar tier, just as like a secondary thing. Um, I'm also looking at a lot of people have talked about giveaways. Obviously, the danger of that for me is I'm going to end up going backwards with giveaways, where you're giving away more than you're getting. But if I did that, that would be for higher tiers. Um, if we did uh, watch parties or special videos, that would be for higher tiers, maybe $5, whatever. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to have too much that's like super high tier, but I definitely want to make sure that there's something for the the bigger donors, um, the $10 donors, the $20 donors, and guys like Gary who create a $30 tier out of thin air. Uh, I got to make sure that there's something kind of cool for you guys too. So again, I'm, I'm just, I'll figure all that out. I'm just kind of working through that. But uh, thank you to everybody that gives in any way that you can. If you want to jump in and support, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. And again, keep shooting me the ideas. I've had a bunch of people reach out. I'm going to take all that into advisement and uh, see what comes out the other side, I guess. But we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I didn't really want to uh, talk about it, and I probably shouldn't, to be completely honest, but I can't help myself. It's it's what I do. I make a decision that if you say that, you're going to get in trouble. And then there's a small part of my brain that's like, you should probably just say that. Henry Ruggs situation. Again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. It doesn't really pertain to the Green Bay Packers, but it is a major talking point right now. All I'll say is, You do what you want to do on social media, have whatever opinion you want. I see that everybody's mostly made up their mind in one direction. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. Obviously, as you know, I'm not afraid of calling people out for uh, doing bad things or saying bad things or dumb things or whatever. Um, And maybe it just has to do with kind of where I've come from as far as I have been that really stupid young 20-year-old that's made horrifically bad decisions and could have just as easily been in the same situation as Henry Ruggs. But um, every time I try to get mad at him uh, for what happened, all I can think is how he spent the last 12 hours of his life living in complete misery and agony, realizing what he did, knowing that he not only took a life and ruined a life, but ruined his own, his family's, his career. Everything is, is ruined because of one really stupid decision. And again, I, I've, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't done that multiple times. In fact, I've mentioned on this podcast that I am currently a teetotaler. That's not a moral decision I made necessarily. It was a, if you don't knock it off, you're going to be in that situation. So you better do something drastic here. So I think my general position is, this is a horrific situation for every single person involved. And yes, also for T. Higgins. Um, does he deserve what's going to happen? Of course. You're, you're held accountable for what you've done, and what he's done is, is the worst thing that a person can do. But I also understand that there's a difference between, you know, pulling the trigger and, um, you know, just making a, a really dumb little boy decision. Especially when it, you know, again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but the entire thing with alcohol is that it lowers your inhibitions. I can tell you confidently, and, and, Certain people can tell you stories. I Every single time I made that particular bad decision, I had no intention of making that bad decision. But somewhere between my good intentions and my bad decision was a reality that with every sip, the part of your brain that says, let's make a smart decision, got overrided a little bit more by um, the voice in your head that said, ah, don't be a nerd. Because <laughs> that's, that's what takes over. And in one instance, I, I don't. I literally didn't have a decision to make. I just, uh, I guess, came to in a police station. So that's where I'm at. But also, from the standpoint of if you're currently making that decision, it never seems like it's a big deal at the time, especially talking to young people. Nothing seems like a big deal when you're young ever. But, um, man, you can really easily ruin your life, and I feel like I've, <laughs> I've avoided so many instances of ruining my life. I'm, I'm a very lucky human being. I'm a very, very lucky, stupid person. And I guess I just feel bad because I know that I, he's, he's not worse than I am, and he's going to essentially pay a penalty that I kind of deserve in a way. It, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but it's, it just, it's a painful situation. And yes, more so for the victim of the crash, obviously. I'm more or less just explaining the other side of it and why I can't bring myself to jump on Twitter and say he deserves what he gets and he's a garbage human being, et cetera, et cetera, what I've mostly been seeing on Twitter. I get it. I understand it. I'm just saying I can't partake in that. Anyways, let's uh, let's brighten the mood a little bit here um, with some really negative content. And now, enjoy our feature presentation. Wasn't sure exactly the order to go into, but we've got a list of teams that none of us like that had terrible weeks, and uh, we're just going to enjoy their misery. So to start off with, we're going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost. Not only did they lose, they lost to a team that didn't have a quarterback. So um, 
you know, again, a lot of times we watch and we just go, ah, oh, they lost, that stinks, but whatever. And we just picture them being like, dude, they're so good. They're the same as us. And the fans are the same as us. And the fans, I'm, I'm learning. And this is part of, this is most, maybe a lot of this is for me. Because I get frustrated with Packer fans and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, these other teams, they don't freak. Dude, they freak out, all right? They get all doom and gloom. So rather than dealing with Packers Twitter, getting all doom and gloom and not appreciating everything, let's listen to everybody else meltdown about how much their team sucks. Quarterbackless New Orleans Saints beat Tampa Bay 36-27. Embarrassing performance in terms of the penalties. Arian said it after the game. He said this was, what did he say, an embarrassing embarrassing display of football with the penalties uh, yeah. that the Bucks had in this game. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And, uh, you know, this team made some progress last week, right? One penalty for 10 yards, and then it reverted back to its old form. Uh, listen, the officiating was horrible. It was absolutely yes. awful. I mean, probably the worst game I've ever seen. The yeah. worst Buccaneers game. There's been there's been several, right? Back in 2019, there were a lot of bad bad officiated games. This one was was the worst. And the, part of the reason for that is is the the two ridiculous roughing the passer calls. The Saints don't beat the Bucks without the refs' help. It's that simple. They don't. Right. right. But at the same time. The penalties were called, right? And three of them were on Devin White. Three personal fouls, including a stupid taunting penalty. And I don't like the rule, John. But that it's was clear taunting. that that, that was right. taunting. And it was stupid. Right. It was immature and it was gross. And it was just yeah. dumb. It was a stupid, dumb penalty by, by That's honestly, captain. That's your captain. By a player that is not as good as he thinks he is. I'm going to say it. No. And I, I like and Devin his- White. He played yeah. better last year than he's playing this year. He's living off of his press clippings last year. He has not made the splash plays this year. He is not a Pro Bowl caliber player. In your team captain, no. what did he say in the, in, in the presser, John, afterwards? He's, it was, Who did he it blame was for bad. this game? It was bad. He said, we need to get healthier. Uh, you know, we're all better. I vibe better when Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting are out there. Like, yeah. you're the captain, dude. Like, you might say those things to your family. Yeah. You're not saying those things to the media. Like, this is like Absolutely. you're the captain and you're playing the you're the worst player on the defense right now, even with those backups in there. And you're not owning that. Yeah, I think that's a problem. I'm rarely one to get after players, as you yeah. know. But this has reached a point with Devin White where like that was a hopelessly out of touch postgame press conference, yes. in my opinion. Like yep. he just felt like, you know, he kind of like makes use about the penalties. Ah, that's who I am. I'm going to talk trash like. You know, I've got to be careful. He did say I've got to be careful because it's the team and I don't want to let that team. But he said, I'm going to keep playing my way. It was just kind of like, dude, like. You Your play is that. not good like, enough. Your play yeah. is not good enough. We have three personal foul penalties. So the hardest part of this segment is going to be knowing when to cut it off. But um, look, they, they made excuses about penalties, whatever. We've all been there. Um, Packers have gotten killed with it. But it's hard to be the team rooting for Tom Brady and complaining about penalties, but whatever. What's beautiful about all this is through all of it, they understand that this is a loss. They understand that despite the fact that they don't like the penalties, the penalties were called. And and my favorite part about all of this, and by the way, this happens when we talk about the Bears as well, which makes me just so happy. They're talking about Devin White, right? I get called a complete moron because I say Devin White's nowhere near as good as everybody else says he is. Go listen. These This is pewter report. These the guys, this is what they do. They live Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're saying this guy's got a big mouth. He loves to run his mouth. He loves to talk about how great he is and all this other stuff, and he's not that good. He's not making the plays he made last year. And he even said he's living off the press clippings from last year. He didn't say he's living off the glory or, or how great he was. He's talking about press clippings. In other words, it was the media pumped him up last year, and he thinks he's all big and bad, and he's not that good. And so, again, this is, this is a little bit minor, partly because we don't care as much about Tampa. I mean, of course, we don't like Tampa, and they're a heavy competitor but um again just listening to the dismay and also just hearing you know again we we sometimes deify other teams we look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it's like I don't know how we're going to beat them and they're sitting here talking about these guys with the penalties it's just ridiculous these you know just lacking basic discipline and having a leader on your defense that's overhyped overrated and can't keep his mouth shut it just it just makes you smile because you it makes you it helps you to appreciate what you've got Anyways, next, I want to move on to the Arizona Cardinals. We don't really have to care too much about the Cardinals, um, but the fact that 
similar to Tampa. They're an NFC competitor, but also their pain and suffering came directly as a result of the Packers. We got to listen to some of the heartbreak. It's just too beautiful to pass up on. I've got a couple different clips here. Um, one of them comes from Locked On Cardinals. Uh, the other one is coming from um, Mr. AZ Sports Fan, who is a guy that I've worked with on YouTube. Real good dude. Um, so we'll we'll listen to a little bit of their pain and misery before we move on. What's going on, everybody? <clears throat> Obviously, not happy. Uh, the result wasn't what we thought was going to be. The Arizona Cardinals end up losing to the Green Bay Packers on a miscommunication between Kyler Murray and A.J. Green. We now fall 7-1. The undefeated season is now over. Let's move on to the next. We're going to try to answer what the A.J. Green was thinking on that uh, final play for the Arizona Cardinals on offense. Kyler Murray missed him, I guess. Razul Douglas takes down the interception. The Arizona Cardinals handed their first L of the 2021 season. We're breaking it all down. Oh, pain. Painful. Let's get into it. I I don't know how to break this one down. It's unreal what we we just witnessed as far as the Arizona Cardinals Thursday night affair with the Green Bay Packers. They came up with a tremendous goal line stand. was originally ruled a touchdown for Aaron Jones, and the Arizona Cardinals defense shut them down, put the ball in their offense's hands, and the offense goes down the field. And then the next thing you know, Aaron Rodgers is kneeling on the field for a Green Bay Packers W. They improved the 7-1. Their record the same as the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit sick, but something about hearing the uh, the absolute pain and dismay. Just, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's the pain. I, I, don't, I don't revel in that because I know what that feels like, and it's horrible. I think it just it adds to how monumental it was. You see the magnitude of it all, you know? These fans are riding a high on a 7-0 and team, and they're just awestruck, shocked, shell-shocked. I mean, both of these podcasts, I mean, I, I just caught the beginning of it or played the clips of the beginning of it because it was so... It wasn't exasperation like a lot of these clips were about to play where they sit down, they're like, I've had enough of this. This is garbage. This team, it's just... They're, they're like, dude, I don't, I don't know what to say right now. The other, I actually cut out on the first one the... Uh, I was going to leave it in, but nobody would understand what's happening. He just like plopped in his chair and stared at the camera and just was like rubbing his head for a solid like 15 seconds. I wanted to leave it in because it was so perfect for what I'm trying to capture here, but it was just hard on audio to pick up what was going on. But just, again, just absolute disbelief that they lost that game to the Green Bay Packers. It's a beautiful thing. I am going to save the NFC North for last, but uh, one of the things we've got to look at now is the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, it's not, this is not NFC, so it's not as important, but it's our upcoming opponent. And um, I, I feel like this is why I'm, I'm really starting to love this, especially with YouTube, because Twitter is a bunch of fanboys and um, the media can be a bunch of fanboys. I mean, you ask the media about Tampa, they're like, they're dominant. You ask them about the Cardinals, dominant. You ask them about the Chiefs, dominant, right? It doesn't matter what it is. But you get the real deal from a lot of these YouTube channels as far as what the fan base is really thinking. And just the the feel that I'm getting from these guys as far as what happened. Remember, the Kansas City Chiefs won, but they won 20 to 17. And so I wasn't really sure what I was going to get because every fan base is a little bit different. I think there's a lot of similarities, probably more so than I want to um, admit to. But I wasn't sure. Was it going to be, hey, we, we got through it, but we're still a dominant team? Or was it, dude, this sucks? Well, let's find out. You're watching the Chiefs Report by Chat Sports. I'm your host, Harrison Graham, here to break down the Chiefs' win, yes, barely, but a win, over the New York football giants on Monday Night Football. Kansas City escapes 20-17, to and yes, it was as ugly as it sounds as the Chiefs had two more turnovers. They continued to be a very highly penalized team with 12 penalties. It was ugly, but they got a much-needed victory to improve to 4-4 four and four on the 2021 season. Giants fall to 2-6 and six after the loss to Kansas City. But, man, this team continues to struggle, continues to shoot itself in the foot. Mahomes continues to look shaky. They're not adjusting well to what teams are doing defensively against their offense. It's... Uh, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. They won, but man, 
this does not look like a playoff team right now if we're all being completely honest. I mean, I was told earlier in today's if the Chiefs because I, I was saying that if even if they win this game, I don't think there's anything really to feel good about. And I was told I was being too pessimistic. That's too pessimistic. I mean, I don't know about anybody else. Did you watch that game? Did anybody else feel good about just barely beating out Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett, who can't coach his way out of a box? I don't know. I couldn't. I don't feel good. Yeah. I, they got the win. Like, that's, that's awesome. But that's awesome. They were able to grind out a win. I mean... There's just one thing. I, I at this point I'm laughing. The turnovers. I've been everyone's been saying eventually, eventually it'll get it'll get right. It'll get right. Evidently not. It's week eight. <laughs> no, it's still happening. Here we are. It's still happening. And the craziest kind of nonsense. The two, uh, arguably the two biggest stars in the offense, the guys that are committing these turnovers, Mahomes and Kelsey tonight. Yeah. Kelsey dropped another pass late. Like I don't know why they can't put this all together. There's something wrong, folks. If you if you happen to work in in um, water treatment, if you happen to work in the EPA, like food poisoning, something is going on in Arrowhead One. I don't understand what it is, but they need help in a big, big way. So I don't know. I mean, maybe you can help me with this because I'm just a big, dumb, stupid, biased Packer fan, and I don't know anything about anything. And I, what do I know about the Chiefs? Right? Does this sound like a team? That should be favorited over the Green Bay Packers. I brought this up on Twitter, and people were kind of like, dude, chill out. It's not a big deal. You get three points when you're the home team, which isn't actually true, by the way. That's a rumor that's not real. But even if it was, explain this to me. Listen to what they're saying to you. This team is broken. You've got people that cover the team saying, this is not a playoff team. This is a team that struggles with everything, with drops, with turnovers, with penalties. They can't do anything right. It's one of the worst defenses in football, and the offense cannot make adjustments to fix very basic things that defenses are doing to now stop this offense, which it sounds very similar to what they do to the Packers. It's too high, and uh, the offense can't figure out how to, how to break through that. I don't care if it's home, away, neutral field, or on Mars. The Kansas City Chiefs at 4-4, four and four, who are, according to their own uh podcasters or youtubers not even a playoff team and the packers are getting back what bakhtiari mvs lazard hopefully Devonte, maybe kevin king we're getting back the majority of people that we lost presumably and we're not favorites in this game i don't understand that i just don't i'm not saying we can't lose i know the chiefs can still be dangerous could have would have should anything we might have lost to washington we could lose to the Jets, technically. It's not impossible. Heck, the Kansas City Chiefs almost lost to the Giants, so we know that's a possibility. It's not about what can or can't happen. It's about whoever set this line is an idiot. That's all I'm saying. But I don't know. What, again, what do I know? I'm just a stupid, biased Packer fan. I don't know. We should find some people that cover the Chiefs and see what they think about their own team. We'll have to do that someday. All right, finally, let's get into the NFC North because this is a little bit fun. We'll start with the Detroit Lions. I was torn on what to do here because I went over to Dosa Dion, real an, another real good dude that I've worked with. By the way, one of the Chiefs guys, it's RGR Football, I think it's called. It's another guy that I've worked with on YouTube, another good dude. I think he's also locked on. Um, he's very professional. He knows what he's doing, unlike a lot of us other guys. But anyways, Dosa Dion, real good dude for recovering the Detroit Lions. I wanted to do a contrast because those guys were laughing and joking about it. They said something like, this is a close one. It's like 33-6 or whatever the score was. They were having a good time, um, and I thought it would be a kind of a funny contrast to do that compared to Bears and Vikings and everybody else freaking out because Lions fans just don't care. But I found a Lions fan that just kind of encapsulates the whole, I'm just done with this team, and I figure I got I to gotta do it because that's kind of the theme of what we're doing. So we're going to roll with that. What's going on, Lions fans? Uh, just going to keep this one short and sweet. Um, the Lions are an absolute dumpster fire. And um, at this point of the season, I'm not even sure if we're gonna go out and get a victory against any team um, to play against, you know, one of the top tier teams in the Rams in this league, the way that you did and then come to to not play this week against the Eagles is absolutely um, embarrassing. It's, it's totally embarrassing. Uh, at this point, Dan Campbell has unraveled. He doesn't know when to go for, when not to go for, when to take points, when not to take points. Um, just on so many levels of this game is a failure. Um, 
you know, it's past the point where you can just look at Jared Goff now. It's, you know, it just seems like this team just ain't here today. It's like they, they, they've given up today, and um, that's what I didn't want to see. So, you know, with that said, I'm not going to sit here and waste any time. It's still the third quarter, I believe. Uh, it's like 30 zip or something like that. Um, doesn't matter. Lions definitely going to lose this game. Um, yeah. But, you know, gathering up the energy to come and continue to cover this team and talk about this team right now is just not easy. Uh, we know that this was supposed to be a rebuild year, but these performances are absolutely embarrassing, man. They're embarrassing. Um, we, in the beginning, said that we want to go out there and, and we do lose. We want to see a competitive loss. We don't want to see a, a team give up from the beginning. Uh, they pretty much just doing whatever they want right now, running the ball straight up the middle. I mean, just right through the middle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Doing whatever they want. Jalen Hurts out there looking like uh, uh, a Walmart version of, of Mike Vick right about now. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the Eagles, this is not a good team we're getting our, our behinds kicked by right now. So it's totally embarrassing. It's totally embarrassing, man. That, by the way, was uh, YouTuber Everything King, I think is what it. Let me double check that. Uh, yeah, Everything King um, is his YouTube name. I, 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 my heart has to go out a little bit. I know they're rivals and everything else, and it's hard to, to really empathize, sympathize, whatever. Um, but especially as a creator, what he was saying is it, it, the amount of energy it takes to cover the team, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I started this podcast when the Packers were in the dumpster. And it was really, really difficult. And if you if you like me ranty, you better be praying for this team to fall off because that's all I did. That's all I did as a podcaster when I started was just rant and rave and get angry and yell and everything else about how trash Brett Hundley is and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just furious. And I can't imagine, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough too because, you know, this podcast succeeds when the Packers succeed. I, I owe a lot of success to the Packers doing well and these guys that are working as hard as I am and you got people that just like I don't I don't want to watch a YouTube video about how much we suck nobody wants to watch that so uh, but but he, he also brought up a good point as far as you know I even said before the game I thought the Lions might win that game against the Eagles because they almost beat the Ram I shouldn't say they almost beat them but they were competitive they played it like I was a, it was the Super Bowl you know they're not a good team but man they they go out swinging and I said if they show up with that same energy and that same, you know, we're not going to lay down and die mentality. Um, they should be able to take out the Eagles. No problem. I shouldn't say no problem, but you know, the heart is, is going to carry them. And they, like you said, they just laid down and died. And, and it's just shocking that that happened. And um, anyways, again, from our perspective, it's good to be a Packer fan, man. Our quarterbacks yucking it up with Pat McAfee every Tuesday about how great things are and how great your costume party was. These poor guys, jeez. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the Vikings because that's the next most exciting. We are saving the Bears for last because that's just, it's been my thing this year, man. I just, I love uh, their misery. Uh, not even the fans, I feel bad for them. And, and kudos to every single one of these creators because, again, I just appreciate the honesty, the honest analysis of things. They're not sugarcoating stuff. And again, it's not the fanboy Twitter nonsense where I say Devin White is overrated and, and a bunch of people jump on my back, half of which aren't even Chiefs fans, but then you get Chiefs fans jumping in, I mean Tampa Bay fans jumping in and screaming, you don't know football, go watch the tape, et cetera, et cetera. No, dude, they're watching. And maybe I'm just catching them at a low point when they're willing to be a little bit more honest and their guards down because they think they're just talking to their friends as opposed to you know getting into Twitter fights where you got to defend your people. But it is what it is. I mean, it's just it's the, the raw honesty of it all. But uh, the Minnesota Vikings got beat by a <laughs> Dallas Cowboys team with no quarterback. And you better believe the Vikings fans were um, completely distraught. All right. Welcome back to the One Bar and Lapagas Show. I am Lapagas. The Minnesota Vikings lose to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cooper Rush led Dallas Cowboys on national TV on Halloween 20 to 16. We will talk this one through uh, as depressing as it is. All right, Minnesota Vikings lose to Dallas Cowboys 20 to 16. Uh, we were talking about this thing at halftime, and uh, fortunately, the offense never really got going, never really changed their ways, sticking with the dinking and the dunking and CJ Ham probably leading the entire team in targets. Kirk Cousins, uh, he had a game. You can't sugarcoat this thing. Horrible decision making. 
the play that really sums it up for me is when he dumps it out to C.J. Ham, who's got two linebackers crashing down on him, and he's got feeling wide open over the top. I don't know if it was the pressure that got to him, what was going on. Kirk Cousins was definitely off, overthrowing guys. Decisions overall, not great for Kirk today. Uh, probably his worst game of the season. He finished with, uh, what he finished with here? 184 yards, one touchdown. Again, a lot of those were just meaningless throws, meaningless plays, either short of the sticks, screens, checkdowns, dump offs, plays that are not going to win you ball games, plays they're going to keep the score 16 to 13, giving their team a chance to come back and win this thing. No sense of uh, kill, to, you know, to try to put a nail in this coffin. Nothing. You just keep on dunking this thing off and this piddly. This piddly play calling is why the Vikings are three and four and are going nowhere this season. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think there needs to be some time to think about it and kind of figure out what we need to do from here. Because, um, you know, this was a tough loss tonight. We had a, you know, a good crowd. It was loud, um, you know, home primetime game. And, uh, you know, we didn't. We had plenty of opportunities to win that football game, and we didn't do it. Just guy, guy, we played that clip on Mackie and Judd, too. It's like, yeah, we just need – they're literally coming off a bye and a self-scout the week before the bye, but we just need a little – we just need some time to figure out what's going on. What you, Dude. And what are you going to think about? Guy, well, he's going to have a lot of time at some point. But this is the third consecutive it. game. It's the first time that you've lost, but it's the third consecutive game in which you've melted down. Like, what's there to think about? The bye was to examine, oh, my God, we barely got by the Lions and Panthers. How do we not repeat that, right? Here are the three quarterbacks. And it's funny because the Vikings defense overall has been really good since the second half of the Seahawks game, if you just take, like, yeah. the full 60 minutes. But yes. in the key moments, the crunch time moments where you got to have a stop or you got to prevent a team from driving on you, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, and Cooper Rush have all shoved it right down your throats. Can't tell me that doesn't bring a smile to your face. So the the first clip was, uh, as he said, Lupagus from One Bar and Lupagus, another group that I've worked with. I still go on the show a lot of times with One Bar. The the funny part about that dynamic, I've never actually worked with Lupagus before, but that duo, One Bar is more the professional, um, you know, he's made for TV kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> Lupagus is more the uh, just the, the the guy that's just going to throw his beer at the TV. And so I knew I had to check out what Lupagus had to say about this game. And he's I mean he he's just a diehard fan that just wears his his heart on his sleeve with this stuff. And and when things go south, he's the guy you want to check in on. Um, I like working with one bar because <laughs> he's a little bit more diplomatic with stuff. But um. Yeah, getting to listen to the and again, just hearing them say this team's going nowhere. And it's funny because, again, you go on Twitter, and, and I forgot who posted it, but um, somebody posted, I think it was not Daniil Hunter, but whatever, it wouldn't be, is Everson Griffin still a Viking? I don't know, it doesn't matter, but somebody on the team said something like, you know, if we win out the rest of the year, we're going to have a good record or something just stupid. You know what I mean? And obviously if Packer fans say anything, Vikings fans are going to jump up and defend it, but again... You find the Vikings fans in their natural environment after that loss, and they're going to tell you everything that you want to hear, which is why this is going to be a regular segment, unless everyone says they hate it. But I don't care. I'm doing it anyways because I'm loving this so much. And then the second clip, if you didn't know, that was Mike Zimmer, the head coach that was talking at first. And um, the uh, folks over at, what show is this? Purple Daily, a Minnesota Vikings podcast, just ripping him to shreds for how stupid that is. They came off a bye, and he's talking about how we need to take some time for reflection. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you played two trash teams and almost lost, had a bye with plenty of time to prepare and reflect, and you lost to Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. So glorious stuff. Finally, 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 we've got the Chicago Bears. We're rocking with the tape never lies. Um it's just it's a great group because they're really intelligent. Um, you want to talk about heart on their sleeves? It's it's Chicago AM radio. I mean, if you if you live in Chicago or in the area and you can tune into AM radio, they're they're very hostile, and I dig it. They they expect big things from the Bears. They're not getting it, and they're more than happy. Very up there with New York and Philadelphia with telling the team how they feel. And um, like a lot of things, it's hard to kind of pick the certain spots. So it's the same show, two different spots, and we'll let it run for a while just to hear a couple of the highlights. But 
anytime you want to listen to the Bears meltdown, and I'm sure there's some other channels that I can check out here and there, but the tape never lies is a good one. Yeah, Shane, uh, it is a crisis, and it comes to the Chicago Bears. And I say that because preparation is key. Obviously, there's so many things within a football game that get you to where you want to go on the victory side or put you in the losers column. It's somehow, some way seems to happen that the Chicago Bears find themselves on the comedic side of that. And it goes back to fundamentals. Each and every week, you talk about situational football and on a Halloween trick-or-treat, the lightning strikes go down. Even when your young franchise quarterback is out there making plays and doing everything in his power to help you be victorious, you still have the same culprits, the same culprits. Now, it takes an injury to get Eddie Jackson's non-tackling out of the game, and you got Cody White here, Sam Mustafer getting blown up in the backfield, Cody holding. The reality is things aren't going to change. Sean Desai, you aren't going to win a game against Jimmy Garoppolo allowing zone coverage and people playing off and allowing people to run through it's a travesty to watch this football team it's a disgrace on every level it doesn't matter who's coaching this whole staff you have the worst punt return punt coverage team in the league and that's Tabor and it happens again as he's being a head coach and I really believe there is karma in this and you know you go in to tie the game Justin Fields does everything in his power to overcome your stupidity as a play caller, whatever that play was. And he able to turn that and make it a touchdown and your field goal kicker misses an extra point. Energetically, that sends the message down the whole pipeline to what Shane's talking about. Somebody, anybody needs to step up. Somebody, anybody needs to step up. Same old Bears. Here we go because it was downhill from there. Right. It really it's, was. There's they had no, a chance. Yeah. And they blew it. How many times do we got to hear that? How many times do you have that's, to hear? That's, that's why I always laugh when people say, oh, the Bears, the Bears culture. No, that is your culture. Right that there. Is. That's your culture. What what let's play a game of Jeopardy. What is tackling? <laughs> it's want to. There you, there you go. What is blocking? It is want to. It's the same over and over again. And people want a reality. They want a reality. It's it's Halloween. Everybody's wearing a mask. The Bears revealed themselves to who they are on the football field. That's it's what it is. It's this culture. This team is unlikable. And Justin Fields is that young kid being influenced by that senior class that you know are a bunch of dirtbags. They're a bunch of dirtbags that don't care. Get, start with accountability. This move, obviously, Eddie Jackson pulling his hamstring, that should have happened. Eddie should have been cheering from the bench, learning how to be a leader and teammate forever. Same with what is Danny T on the field? That whole drive before the fucking half. Oh, Danny T has to be out there, Sean. Why? We had it scripted pregame. That's why. Oh, my God. He's a liability in coverage. Every third down, they went to Danny T. We're all, Adrian's right. We're all tired of mediocrity. And so look, folks, I understand that uh, things aren't always perfect. I understand the Green Bay Packers aren't always perfect. But man, oh man, it's good to be a Packer fan. You got to understand, some of these teams, not all of these teams, some of these teams, it's it's exasperation, not just from the last game, like with the Cardinals or Tampa, not just this season with the Chiefs. We're talking decades, Lions, Bears, Vikings for a lot of, lot of the last few decades. They're tired, man. They're just tired. It's exhausting being a fan of these teams. We got it good. I don't know if we're going to win a Super Bowl. I don't know. 
I know we haven't in the past. This is this is this is also, by the way, why I laugh when people talk about, oh yeah, you keep losing in the NFC Championship game. Do we go there every year? That's it's just not some Packer fans. That's that's a real good slam because it it bothers them. I want a Super Bowl. I'm happy to be a fan of a team that's just good all the time. Just good all the time. Unbelievably fortunate to be a Packer fan. I'm so glad, born and raised in Illinois, that my dad raised me to be a Packer fan because I could have been listening to these guys just miserable. We got it good. I'm going to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.